Hello, welcome to Scripts for Shredding. My name is Elliot Brotherhood, and today we are talking about a play that I wrote when I was between the ages of 12 and 14 by the name of Spider-Man and the League of Unspeakable Evil. This show, I mean, to say that this show is the worst thing I've ever written is kind of unfair because it was, like, the first thing I've ever written, but... If it ain't just the worst thing I've ever written, <laughs> I don't know what is. This, truthfully, at least Tiberius Tungsten had, you know, a semblance of, of a story. And, and, you know, with Doyle and the Doctor and all that other stuff, there was at least something there. But with this, it's just... Oh, boy. There's... Truthfully, there's... there's I would say there's nothing, nothing redemptive about this, this show. So, um... A little bit of background, as I said, this was written between the ages of 12 and 14. I started it when I was like 12, uh, and I kind of put it away because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I kind of just lost interest because I was like a little kid. Um, and then, uh, between 12 and 14, two films came out uh, by the name of The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And uh, I was, you know, always into superheroes. I've loved Spider-Man since I was a little kid. But uh, these new films with Andrew Garfield really spoke to me. I, 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 this is a crazy stance to take for in some circles, and in, in you know the circles of those who love those superhero films. But uh, Toby or not Toby Maguire, uh, Andrew Garfield is my favorite Spider-Man ever. He he is just he's my Spider-Man, uh, which is you know uh, uh, quite a stance to take in 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 some circles. But you know I digress. Uh, so I picked this show up again after The Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out. Namely, I picked it up after, uh, or I suppose, I guess namely isn't the right word to use there, but uh, specifically I picked it up after playing The Amazing Spider-Man 2 video game for Xbox 360, uh, which was truthfully probably one of the worst Spider-Man video games ever made, but like, you know, that's a completely different topic. Um... What can be said about this show? My notes here, I, I wrote down, you know, as I do for all of these episodes, I wrote down just a couple notes here on, on you know, what this show was all about and stuff. And uh, there's just one note that I, I think really sums it up. Uh, it is absolutely nonsensical. Just absolutely ridiculous. It, it, <laughs> there's, oh my goodness. Uh, there's no story whatsoever. Uh, the characters just, sh characters just show up. It's just like a parade of different characters that have no... <laughs> place in this story um and it's just it's ridiculous it's it's there, there's not much else i can really say i was so serious about this show as a kid i was like this yeah th this is like the thing like i'm i'm gonna do this i was like i'm gonna sell this to like a theater and they're gonna do it um and you know obviously that didn't happen obviously it, it was yeah it's just so so ridiculous and for so many reasons not just technically not just from a creative standpoint but just like the the idea of putting spider-man on stage in a play in a play that is supposed to be like an action superhero thing and not like a stunt spectacular but like at the time i was like this is like a character driven like uh, character study. That's not what it is at all. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's not much else I can say about it other than the fact that, uh, it's 
absolutely ridiculous, and uh, I would suggest uh, sitting down if you're listening to this, because it's quite appalling at times. So, uh, yeah. This is Spider-Man and the League of Unspeakable Evil. It was 32 pages, and the word count was 9,864. So, you know, not bad for, like, a 12, 14-year-old kid. You know, I finished it when I was 14, so I guess that's fair, fair to say 14. But, uh... You know, that that's probably the only, like, you know, 9,000 words of senseless drivel, basically, is what this is. But, uh, you know, we'll, 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 you know, you'll, you'll understand. You'll understand what I mean when we get, it's just, oh, <laughs> it, it, it makes me woozy just looking at this block of text before me. So, uh, <laughs> here we go. So, scene one uh, of our play starts with Peter Parker walking down a New York street. And uh, he's just walking, minding his business, and suddenly... A voiceover of Uncle Ben come, like just fills the stage, and he says, Remember, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. Then there's a stage direction that reads, A siren goes off and police lights flash. Peter notices and rips his shirt off, revealing his Spider-Man suit, and he runs off. Okay, alright, so we got, like, you know, the superhero, kind of like Clark Kent ripping his shirt off. I'm Spider-Man, you know? Uh, here's the joke, here's the real punchline of this scene. That's the whole thing. That's where the scene ends. What do we find here? Like, yeah, we, we're, are we, like, establishing, yeah, Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but we all know that. Like, there's not a single per- there's not a single person in the audience of Spider-Man and the League of Unspeakable Evil that doesn't know who Spider-Man is. So, what the hell? Um, so that's scene one. Uh, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of work went into that one, one sentence, or two sentences, sorry, including the stage direction. Um, and then we go to, uh, Mary Jane's house, the house of Mary Jane Watson, and she's on, uh, she's watching TV, where, uh, J. Jonah Jameson is, uh, you know, berating Spider-Man for, you know, some other thing. He says, you know, Spider-Man was with a burglar, they fled the scene, and then Spider-Man turned on his accomplice and left him glued to to the wall of the store for the police that, they, you know, the guy was stealing from. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're seeing here, like, as it is in any iteration of Spider-Man, J. Jonah Jameson hates Spider-Man, thinks he's a menace, whatever. Uh, and then Spider-Man comes in through Mary Jane's window and says, oh, it didn't happen like that. And she's like, I figured. And they kind of talk. He basically is like, oh, I was stopping the guy. I didn't, like, I wasn't stealing from a store, obviously, because I'm Spider-Man. And Mary Jane's like, no, I'm just glad you're safe. You're my boyfriend. I love you. I don't, I'm worried about you every time you go out. And he, Peter's like, oh, hey, you don't need to worry about me. And I'm fighting small-time crooks, MJ. It's not a big deal, babe. Uh, you gotta worry about me when I'm facing the big guys. Like, he says, it's the guys like the lizard and Doc Ock that you need to worry about. It's like, all right, yeah, so they have this talk or something, and then Mary Jane says, oh, I have an audition at this theater because she's an actor. So she's like, okay, I'm leaving, and then she just leaves Spider-Man alone in her house. And and Spider-Man is here, and then we have a shocking, shocking moment <laughs> that, that this is a, a horrible, horrible through line throughout this entire script. It says, I'll just read the stage direction for you. So Mary Jane exits. It says, Peter stands there for a moment, then looks up and notices the audience. And what does Peter Parker say in noticing that there's an audience of people watching him? He says, oh, hello, I'm Peter Parker. There's direct address in this Spider-Man play. Ridiculous. And this is, ugh, this, there's so much of this throughout this script. And, and the worst part of it is, 
invariably, it's always giant, like, just monologues of text that just go into the nitty-gritty comic book, like, details of everything. So basically, what he does here is, as though we needed more of an introduction than, you know, even if, you know... You don't need that first scene where he's he's revealing that he's Spider-Man because you know we we know that already. He's Peter Parker. As just to add insult to injury, at least in that first scene, it's like all right, it's a way of just showing the audience, oh, this guy Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Even if they if they don't know that, okay, now they know. Just to add insult to injury, now he gives just a huge monologue on the origin of Spider-Man. He just, he says, like, he, oh, it's such a pain to read. Uh, <laughs> where he just says, you know, I bet you're wondering why I decided to do this. Well, a couple of years ago, I was bitten by a radioactive spider. <laughs> and he just goes into all of it. Like, as though the people who'd come to see this show don't know what Spider-Man's deal is. Um, so that happens. And then, uh... He's like, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, I do it because my Uncle Ben died and I felt bad about that. So I'm Spider-Man now. And then uh, he leaves Mary Jane's house and goes back to his house uh, where he talks more with the audience. Aunt May comes in and says, hey, Peter, how you doing? Welcome home, honey. And Peter turns to the audience once again and just gives this long-winded explanation of who Aunt May is. And, And just, I'll just read this part for you as well. So he says... Aunt May is all I have left of my family. And ever since Uncle Ben died, I've been all she has left too. Like, okay, yeah, that's how that works. Uh, And it's up to me to protect her. And then, weird, he just goes into like this very specific anecdote about like like something that happened a couple years. He says, he just says, there was one time a few years back when Norman Osborn, a.k.a. Green Goblin, was still alive. He found out who I was and attacked Aunt May while I was out taking care of a few burglars. Luckily, she got out practically unscathed. Ever since then, I've been super careful about leaving her home alone. Like, why are you telling me that? That is completely... That information is completely unnecessary. I don't need to know that. Uh, So, you know, Aunt May is like, oh, how's Mary Jane? Peter's like, oh, she's good. She's got an audition. And as they're talking, kind of just catching up, uh, the TV turns on and a reporter says, this is a Bugle News alert. It's the Daily Bugle. Uh, the small-time villain known as the Shocker has broken out of custody and is wreaking havoc through New York City, seen on the Upper East Side or something. And, you know, you'll see this throughout a lot of this show. I just, like, chose places for people to be doing stuff, and <laughs> that's just, like, where they're... I just looked up, like, where, like, places in New York City and, and <laughs> just chose random places. So, like, that's happening. Shocker's, uh doing something wreaking havoc in the Upper East Side of New York. Uh, so it's an unreported dead, but 24 people have been injured. Um, so Peter's like, oh, I got to take care of that. And he runs he runs out the door and puts on his Spider-Man costume. And suddenly we're in uh, scene three where uh, Shocker is is causing a problem. And, and as soon as we get on stage, what does Peter do? But just... He just goes into this long-winded monologue about who the Shocker is, and what his deal is, and and he goes into such painstaking, gratuitous detail about it. He says here, he says, Shocker is an old enemy of mine. He's never, re- he's really never been that big of a deal. He hooked himself up with a couple of high-frequency air blasters and called himself a supervillain. 
<laughs> then he basically just recites the Wikipedia page. He says, Shocker, a.k.a. Herman Schultz, was actually a small-time burglar, and according to him, the best safe cracker in the world. So, like, okay, that's like a comic book thing, right? That's what the Shocker called himself when he was first introduced in Spider-Man, the best safe cracker in the world. Completely unnecessary to go into that here. He says his life of crime landed him in prison, where he later escaped to try his hand at becoming a big league supervillain. Well, he did, but he still landed right back in prison a few days later. Like, why are you... We don't need the whole life story. <laughs> it's just... Ah! Even worse. And it just keeps getting worse and keeps getting... It just keeps getting more and more granular. <laughs> like, he says... Uh, uh, the first time I fought him, my arm was sprained due to an earlier run-in with the lizard. <laughs> like, why are you saying that? It doesn't matter that your arm was sprained the first time you fought him. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know any of this. Just go into the fight with Shocker. So, uh, Shocker enters. He's blasting stuff with his little arm gun things, his air blaster, you know, things. Uh... Spider-Man and he and Spider-Man have some banter, and then, uh, you know, uh, Spider-Man beats him easily and webs him to a wall. And, uh, so, Shocker is like, oh, hey, listen, you can't do this to me. Uh, I, I have rights. I demand to be let go. And Spider-Man, it says, Spider-Man slaps Shocker. Like, open hand smacks him across the face. Tells him to shut up. And there's some more stuff that they say that maybe we'll get to later. And, um, <laughs> uh, he's, Spider-Man starts, like, asking him, he starts interrogating him. He's like, why are you doing this? And the shocker, in response to this, like, you know, he, he, this is just like a senseless crime. He's just doing this randomly. In response to Spider-Man asking this question, shocker goes, I ain't telling you nothing. Why would he say that? Like, that makes no sense. He he, he could have just as easily said, you know, I'm I I was just doing it because I'm I'm a crazy supervillain and I wanted to cause some destruction. But I ain't telling you nothing. Like, okay, now I definitely know there's more to this. <laughs> like, why do you, why would you do that? Uh, so as Spider-Man is interrogating him, Shocker breaks one of his hands out of the webs, takes out a knife, and slashes Spider-Man's hand, <laughs> causing blood to drip out. All right. <laughs> So, as though we haven't, like, because, you know, in this fight, you know, Shocker's bla blowing stuff up, and it says that. Like, he's blowing stuff up. There's literally a part that says, just read this. What does it say? Shocker blasts an electrical wave at Spider-Man or something, and uh, he's destroying everything in his path. Uh, and, and it's, like, saying that he's, like, he blasts, like, a bus at him or something. How are you going to do that on stage? You haven't Buses blasted across sta the stage. Things are blowing up. He's getting slashed and blood is coming out of his hand. What What kind of budget did you expect to have for the show? Uh, and, you know, he, he so he's his, his bloody hand, he's interrogating him, and he gets really mad, and he puts his, 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 like, hand on Shocker's face for some reason and gets blood all over his mask. That's important, so remember that. Uh... So they're talking, and, and Spider-Man's like, tell me what I want to know right now. And Shocker's like, okay, okay, the guy with the four arms, Dr. Octopus. I'm working for him. He told me to lure you out. And Spider-Man's like, oh, what? Why? And he's like, I can't tell you. I don't know. He just told me to do that. And then uh, Spider-Man just leaves. He, he goes, okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll have to talk to Dr. Octopus myself about it. And then he leaves, and that's the end of the scene. Okay. Uh, 
And then scene four is at the theater where MJ is doing her audition. And this scene is completely useless in this story. All that happens is that Peter goes and finds MJ and tells her everything he just learned about, you know, fighting Shocker. Hey, I, I just fought Shocker. He said that Dr. Octopus wanted him to cause destruction to lure me out for some reason. I don't know why. And she's like, okay. And it's like, what does that do? What does Mary Jane do with that information? Nothing is the answer. Um, and then he just leaves. He just ups and, he up and leaves. And that's the end of the scene. Uh, so, you know, we, we do that. And then this next scene uh, is Dr. Octopus showing up where Spider-Man left Herman Schultz slash the Shocker webbed up for the police. Apparently, he's just been sitting there for like a while. He caused a lot of destruction and no police have come yet. He's sitting on the side of the road and Dr. Octopus, tentacles and all, just walks up to him and says, Hey man, how's it going? <laughs> How'd that go? Um, and Dr. Octopus reveals that Shocker's kind of like, why, why would you have me lure Spider-Man out if you're just going to let him catch me and let him get away. And then Dr. Octopus reveals, shockingly, that the plan was the whole time to get Spider-Man's blood. Like that, to get Shocker to slash him and get his blood on his mask. He takes off the Shocker's mask and he's like, oh, cool, we have his blood. This is his DNA. We can use this for all sorts of stuff. And it's like, how do you orchestrate something like that? How You have to... You were just hoping on a whim that the Shocker might get caught and have a, be close enough to him to, like, have a knife on him to slash him and that he would... Like, there's so many uncontrolled variables. It's like, just have someone attack Spider-Man and try to get his blood somehow. That way. Why does it need... And what... And it's funny, because, like, this is the second thing. The second... I, I noticed this as I was reading this. This and that first Batman movie were, like, these films... Or, or these scripts where it's all dependent on... Like, suddenly, like a character like happens to get cut or something and suddenly someone's like, that was the plan all along to get his blood. It's like, what? No, that there, there are so many uncontrolled variables that cannot be what you were trying to do. So he wanted Spider-Man's DNA for something. He's like, Oh, we can find out who he is. We can do anything with this. We can create a, a weapon with this that can take out Spider-Man for good. And then shockers like, okay. So like, can I join your villain club now? He's like, he says, he says, uh, I held up my end of the deal. So can I join your little club now? And Dr. Octopus very defensively, weirdly goes, it's not a club. <laughs> like, it's not a club. No, we're a bunch of big boys. <laughs> we're a bunch of big boys. We're villains. We're big boy villains. It's not a club. And he, he says, no, he's basically is like, hell no, <laughs> you can't be a part of a club. And he leaves him there for, for, for dead, for the police to catch him. Uh, and you know, that's, that's kind of. The end of the scene. But th that's not the end of the scene, actually, because the last line after he leaves the shocker there, Dr. Octopus says, I'm just the brains of our group. The big decisions are up to the big man. There's a guy, like, above him. So it's like, oh, okay. So, like, shocker's the little guy working for the bigger guy who is a littler guy working for a bigger guy. <laughs> like, what? what is going on here? And then uh, Peter goes home. He's hella confused about what happened. <laughs> Like, he's like, what just happened? Why did that happen? What What is going on? Uh, and Aunt May, uh, as he comes home, says, oh, Peter, you got a letter. And Peter's like, oh, cool, I got a letter. And <laughs> instead of just opening the letter and reading it, 
he proceeds to go just give a freaking soliloquy about it because the letter is from harry osborne and he goes so he, he reads the letter and it's just so much like he goes into the backstory with harry and like oh all this stuff and he says that harry has invited him to go to a fundraiser at fisk tower like wilson fisk aka kingpin's like tower in new york um and then this causes Peter to go into yet, an, uh, yet another tangent about how, uh, you know, Fisk is a bad guy. He's he's the kingpin uh, and all that. And he has this new thing, this new, like, citywide effort called uh, this, like, task force. This, this uh, 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 like, kind of police task force that will uh, uh, <laughs> be some war... Will make the war on crime, like, ter- turn it in the police's favor or something like that. And uh, he goes into, oh, people think he's going to use the task force uh, for evil and blah, like, obviously. And um, so he's like, oh, cool. This is my this is my way of getting getting in with Fisk and seeing what's up with that. Uh, it should be said, this task force thing in Wilson Fisk, this is literally plagiarized from the Amazing Spider-Man 2 video game. Like, this is literally, like, kind of the crux of that game. Uh, so, and, and that's not the worst thing we'll see about that. So th- that whole thing that we're suddenly bringing into this uh, is, is, you know, not my idea whatsoever. So just keep that in mind. Uh, so he goes to this fundraiser, he agrees. And here we have, I think, what could be one of the worst stage directions I've ever written in anything ever. Uh, so it, just like bringing us into the scene here, uh, Fisk Tower, the fundraiser and all that. It says, tables full of partygoers and Harry Osborne enter. Which is weird. Tables full of partygoers and Harry Osborne enter. So do we enters? <laughs> That's so dumb. Like, just, uh, just say, I'm not going to nitpick that right now. But it says, and then it says, Perhaps a jazzier version of the 1960s Spider-Man cartoon theme song is playing. Like, oh my gosh, that's just awful. I hate that so much. Like, oh, we just, like, I don't know what, maybe I'm, no, that is awful. That is awful. I hate it. And then Peter goes into another just absolutely horrible page and a half tangent of, of, or not page and a half, it's like, probably about a page long of him just talking about Harry Osborn and like, Oh yeah. Norman Osborn was the green goblin. Norman died when his, he, he tried to kill me with his glider and I jumped out of the way and it killed him instead, which is, you know, a thing from the comics and all that. So, um, we have that just, you know, stunning monologue. And then Harry Osborn goes up to Peter and says, Hey Peter, it's so good to see you. We were childhood friends and blah, 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 all that. Uh, and then, you know, they're talking a little bit, and then Betty Brant comes out of nowhere, who is someone that works at the Daily Bugle, and, you know, we just gotta go into the exposition here, this just gratuitous exposition, when Peter says, that's Betty Brant, the editor for the Daily Bugle. She was actually my very first love, but we broke up because I couldn't commit enough time to her because of my duties as Spider-Man. Since then, we've developed more of a sibling-esque relationship. Like, he just has to go into, like, the first paragraph of each of these characters' Wikipedia page as we're going through this story. Uh, Betty talks about um, the task force and, oh, hey, we th- we think he may be using the task force to get rid of competing crime bosses. Uh... 
and uh, some they, they're talking about all that. And and Peter's like, hey, well, I think Harry might be uh, <laughs> Harry might be uh, uh, introducing me to Wilson Fisk. Uh, so I'll talk to him about that when when we're when I talk to him. Uh, I'll try to do some digging and and like some some I don't know reporting reporter journalism you know <laughs> uh, fancy footwork or whatever. Um, then Wilson Fisk enters and Peter goes into he turns to the audience and goes into a big tangent about Wilson Fisk and he says uh, you know here he is now ladies and gentlemen that is Wilson Fisk owner of Fisk Technologies. Wow, he's actually fatter in person because you know Wilson Fisk is a huge, like, like cartoonishly big man. Um, says Oscorp and Fisk are developing new and improved versions of the Omni Maneuverable Glider. <laughs> they plan on using them for their task force. Great, just what I need—a whole team of goblins all out to get me. Hate that. Just that's such gratuitous detail. And the funny thing is, like. This script is 32 pages, so really short, like, on the shorter side of things. It, it was like, it took so long to read because of these ridiculous, just blocks of text. I, I think that even though this is 32 pages, I think this would take, like, an hour to read <laughs> because out loud because it's just so ridiculous. So, uh, Harry introduces Peter to Wilson Fisk. Uh, it is, they have a really weird conversation where Peter kind of asks about, like, hey... Uh, what are you doing with this, uh, uh, this, uh, this task force that you have here? And, uh, Wilson Fisk basically brushes Peter off. He's like, I don't have time for you. You're a little scrawny little boy. You know, you, you were born a street rat. You'll die a street rat and only your fleas will mourn you. And, uh, then he walks away and Peter's like, huh, that was a lot. So then Harry comes up to him again and says, Hey, Pete, do you have a minute to talk for a second? And Peter's like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And uh, he says, so, uh, you know how my dad had that really rare genetic disease that was killing him? <laughs> it's like, oh, what, wait, what? Where, where is this going? Uh, and and Peter's like, yeah, yeah, I know that. And uh, Harry's like, well, it's genetic and I have it. And um, basically, I, I, I'm going to die if I don't get healthy blood from someone that can save me. Like, I need a blood transfusion, basically. Or I need, like, you know. Um, but it needs to be my blood type. And we are the same blood type. Can you give me some of your blood? And then Peter. <sighs> and it should be said. This, that whole thing of, like, oh, I need some of your blood or something to save me. That's from, basically, from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Peter then turns to the audience and, well... It's been approximately 2.5 seconds since I've, I've delivered a, a Shakespearean aside, so I, I need to give my soliloquy about <laughs> this detail of the plot now. Uh, and he basically explains in painstaking detail that uh, since his blood was mutated with uh, spider, you know, genetic spider, uh, genetically altered spider and radioactivity, it would kill Harry. Um... So he says, Harry, I'm really sorry. I, I can't. It, it wouldn't be safe. And uh, he's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I have to go. Bye. And Harry's pissed. He's like, I'll die without your blood. And it's funny because he didn't say Peter's blood specifically. He needs just the same type of blood. Peter is not the only person on Earth that has your blood type. You can find someone else. Like, you can find another donor, man. So <laughs> completely, you do not need to scream at this public event about how you're going to die if you don't get his, his blood. You, you can just 
go to pretty much any hospital and they will hook you up. <laughs> they will they will get you a donor. Uh, so that happens. Harry storms up to his room and he's ah why he literally says why won't he help me? I thought we were friends. I'll die without his help. I'm so upset. I'm so pissed. And uh, it says. He's standing in front of a mirror, and it says Harry's reflection suddenly turns around in the mirror, revealing his father, Norman Osborn. And <laughs> Norman Osborn just starts talking to him. And Harry's essentially having, like, <laughs> some kind of delusional episode where he's talking to his father again. And um, suddenly his father tells him, My disease didn't kill me. Spider-Man killed me. He impaled me with my glider. Blah. And Harry's like what <laughs> like why are you what do you mean <laughs> you're you're not my father you're not my dad you can't you're not actually here uh and then he throws something at the mirror and the mirror shatters revealing a room behind it <laughs> that which leads to norman osborne's like lair like with the green goblin equipment it's all it's, it's full of the green goblin stuff weird though because we we it literally says in the scene heading that we are in harry's room so norman osborne was hiding his super secret green goblin gear in his son's room behind his son's mirror what that makes no sense like like you can tell like between page 12 and page 13 which like amazing that this is only page 12 and page 13 and so much has happened uh the, the between page 12 and page 13 like i just completely forgot what room this scene took place in um so harry goes into the room and and finds the green goblin equipment and norman literally says yes son i was the green goblin and, and Harry says very astutely, Dad, you killed countless people. I can't believe you would do that. <laughs> and and, and uh, then he sees a, a bunch, a shelf full of uh, vials of green liquid, the, the goblin's serum. And Norman is like, it can cure you. Drink it. It will be good for you. And uh, then Harry injects, he doesn't drink it. He injects the serum into one of his arms. He screams in pain and falls to the ground. Uh, and, and then after that scene, we transition to Dr. Octopus's secret lab and he's working with Spider-Man's blood, but he's also watching it like a computer. And he says to Fisk, who is also in the room, he says, <laughs> he says, Harry Osborn has injected himself with the goblin serum. What? Like, like, and then Dr. Octopus says, you, you will provide him with a glider, I assume. And it's like, wait a minute. So, again, just ridiculous. Is that part of your plan? That Harry Osborn would go and, and inject himself with the serum because Peter Parker wouldn't give him his blood? Doesn't that also imply that you already know? Like, if you're surveilling him like that, doesn't that kind of imply that you already know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? But aside from that, it's like, that is so ridiculous. How did you orchestrate that? That makes no sense. All of the variables in this situation are completely uncontrolled. You were like, were you just sitting there, like waiting, like maybe today will be the day that he finally takes that serum? Oh, he, he finally found the secret layer with all the goblin equipment. He took the serum. Great. 
He's going to become the Green Goblin now. What an, an unbelievable and, and downright ridiculous stroke of luck. <laughs> Finally. Oh, good. We got the blood just on a whim. And now <laughs> Norman or Harry Osborn is the Green Goblin. Just two for two. Crazy. And then uh, Doc Ock says to Fisk, I'm working on the weapon. It's not done yet. All I need now is a symbiote. To bond with the blood, with Spider-Man's blood. Oh my goodness. So, I guess his... Pl like, we're suddenly bringing in symbiotes and stuff, which for those of you who don't know, it's a comic book thing. You know, Venom, who is like the anti-Spider-Man, is a symbiote. It's like He's like an alien that latches onto a host and he becomes this big, giant monster thing that resembles some weird version of Spider-Man. So, you know, and on the topic of symbiotes and Venom specifically, um, suddenly... Uh, as we're having this conversation, Doc Ock just brings on Eddie Brock, who is, you know, Venom. And, and they're talking and, and, uh, Venom is like, oh, I, I, or, or Eddie Brock is kind of like, why, why am I here? Can you please just, please just don't hurt me. Please just don't hurt me as though he can be hurt when he has, you know, the Venom symbiote. Uh, and, and Doc Ock is like, I, I want to give you the satisfaction of killing Spider-Man. And Eddie says... In the worst, there's a t he says like, what? What do you mean? What? In the the worst parenthetical informing a line that I could possibly write, he says, shocked but secretly kind of wanting it. Terrible, terrible. That I don't care what the context is. I don't care that we're talking about killing Spider-Man. Never words something like that. Shocked but secretly kind of wanting it. Hate that. So Doctor Octopus basically says, hey. Uh, I can do all that for you. All I need is a little bit of your, like, weird symbiote blood to uh, bond with this uh, with this uh, uh, blood that I got from Spider-Man. So uh, Eddie Brock is like, all right, sure, you can do it. He extends his arm. Doc Ock uses a syringe to pull out some weird blood. He has, like, black blood because of the symbiote. And uh, he mixes it with Spider-Man's blood and it starts going crazy. Ah, because the symbiote is bonding to Spider-Man's blood or something. And he's creating like a new symbiote, which I, this is like ridiculous and weird, but it's funny because in Venom 2, the way that Carnage, which is what we're doing here, it's Carnage. The way that Carnage is made is, I think, basically the exact same, actually, except instead of it being Spider-Man's blood, it's Cletus Cassidy's blood, I think, or something like that. It's something ridiculous like that, but it's kind of weird, like, because I remember, like, as I was reading this, I was like, that's so dumb. But then I was like, they literally did that in a movie, so, like, I can't even, like, be mad at me about that. Or, I can't be mad at myself about that. Uh, then Dr. Octopus says, well, put it in the incubator, that'll stabilize it. Like, putting it in an incubator, like, for chickens? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, then, after this, uh, they all leave, and Peter enters, and he's in his room, and he goes... Whoa, my spider sense is going crazy. <laughs> Something bad is happening. And he gets in his Spider-Man costume and leaves his house. And that's the whole scene. Like now he's suddenly like omniscient, weirdly. Like he's just, I, I think something bad is happening somewhere, like somewhere. Like it's not, the way Spider-Sense is supposed to work is it like protects him from immediate danger. He doesn't just know when bad things are happening like 10 miles away. <laughs> so then, oh dear, we have uh, uh, this scene... In uh, he we have this scene in in Harry's room again in the Green Goblin lair, and Harry enters, and he delivers a monologue, and I will deliver that monologue for you now. It's he says it won't stop the pain. 
the changes. Damn that Spider-Man. If he won't let me study him alive, I'll study him dead. I'll dissect him like a frog. I'll find out what makes him stable and do it to myself. Then I'll kill all of the people who doubted me. Donald Mencken. Fisk. That guy who looked at me funny in the elevator. That guy who looked at me funny in the elevator. People who don't turn their cell phones off at the movies. Hmm. Maybe I'll replace Spider-Man. I could be the amazing goblin. The hero New York deserves. And he laughs. Um. You want to know something funny about this monologue? Every single word of it. Every single word. Is plagiarized. 100% from a monologue in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 game. None of this is original. Every single word is plagiarized. And I just put it in the script and was like, I will, this will be done on Broadway. <laughs> like, this, this will be done in every theater in the general Milwaukee area. It will be a huge hit. Um, ridiculous. Awful. Terrible. Uh, and I can assure you, since this incident, I have never once done something like this ever again because you plagiarism is a terrible 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 thing uh uh and if this were done publicly i would have gotten into huge legal trouble um so then wilson fisk enters and he goes i see you found the goblin serum and harry's like leave me alone and then wilson fisk is like follow me harry i want to show you something and, and harry's like okay <laughs> for some reason even though he's like crazy and the green goblin now um and uh, they go into Dr. Octopus's secret lab, which is, I guess, like two doors down or something. I don't know. And Fisk is like, hey, would you, I will, here is the real task force, my real task force. And, uh, oh my goodness, it's awful. So as, as he's introducing, as Wilson Fisk says this, he's like, I'm showing you the new task force. Spider-Man crawls in because, you know, his spider senses were tingling and his spider senses also have like a, an exact GPS and like coordinates to a bad thing is happening 10 miles over here in this building, in this, the basement in this secret lab. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, and, and, you know, Wilson Fisk is like, uh, the, the, this is the, the new, uh, uh, this is the real task force that I've, I've developed. And Spider-Man says quietly to the audience, I knew Fisk was up to something illegal. Like, wow, very astute Spider-Man, a criminal, a guy known as the Kingpin is doing something illegal. <laughs> wow. Your spider senses were really tingling on that one, weren't they? Uh, and he's like, wait a minute, is that Harry? What happened to him? What's going on here? And then Wilson Fisk's real quote unquote task force enters and this is just awful this is st the stage direction i'll just read it. it says electro craven the hunter mysterio sandman and eddie brock now in his venom suit and the lizard enter harry looks stunned so basically we just have this ridiculous parade of villains and it's it's one two three four five six yeah it's the sinister six but what does fisk say this very next line he says Meet the task force, as, or as we like to call it, the League of Unspeakable Evil. But it's just the Sinister Six, so why are you calling it the League of Unspeakable Evil? I mean, yeah, he and Doc Ock are there, so it's technically, you know, eight, but, and you know, we're about to bring in another guy, so like, I get it, but it's like, it's literally just the Sinister Six. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so then, uh, uh, as as they're doing this, Doctor Octopus comes on, and he's holding a man uh, attached, to, like strapped to like a, a a stretcher or something, or like you know, and it's Cletus Cassidy, who is for those of you who don't know, the alter ego of another symbiote supervillain by the name of Carnage, and uh, 
you know, of course, <laughs> Spider-Man's on stage, a new character enters, so what do we do? We do another ridiculous monologue about it. Just a ridiculous aside where he says, uh, oh, the Task Force is supervillains. Uh, and then he says, is that Cletus Cassidy? C convicted mass murderer? <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute. He's gonna use him as the host. They're gonna use him as the host for a symbiote. He needs, he can't do this. I can't do this on my own. I need help. I'm just one guy. Oh my gosh, this is so bad. And then, oh my goodness, a shocking, shocking event takes place. And then, Suddenly, out of nowhere, Deadpool enters. Deadpool, like like from the Ryan Reynolds film, like not that the film, like from the comics, obviously, but like more noticeable, like like more recognizably to the you know mainstream audiences. Deadpool from the Ryan Reynolds film just enters. He says, "Did you say you need help?" He says, "I can help you battle Doctor Octopus's evil ego." And it's De Deadpool, and then he like you know breaks the fourth wall and is like, "It's intermission. We need to take a fifteen minute break." And then that's end of Act One. Deadpool just com inexplicably enters. We, we we introduce just like eight new characters, and then that's the end of Act One, and none of these characters have any bearing on the plot. So then we go to Act Two, and Peter and Deadpool go up to a roof, and um. <laughs> Peter's like, uh, I, 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 who is this guy? What's going on here? Uh, and Deadpool kind of is like, oh, I can, I can train you. I can train you to fight the League of Unspeakable Evil and all that. Uh, and Peter is like, or Spider-Man is like, what, uh, what, do you have any superhuman abilities? Like, what is your deal? And Deadpool's like, oh, I have a healing factor. I can't really die. Nothing kills me. Uh, I'm super, I'm a mercenary. Blah, I'm an assassin. I'm super skilled. Um, and they have, they, they have just, th th this scene is just full of nonsensical, like, bits and stuff of Deadpool trying to be funny but not being funny because it was written by me and me at 12, between the ages of 12 and 14. Horrible. Oh. Horrible thought to think of the bits that I was trying to do. And on the page, they're just absolutely terrible. Um, So Deadpool's like, I'm going to train you no matter what you say. We're going to do this. Uh, and Peter's like, fine. What do you, whatever you want, we'll do it. What do you, so when do we start? And Deadpool's like, oh, uh, I can't. There's this dumb bit where Deadpool's like, I, we're not going to do this now. I, I have to eat dinner. I haven't eaten dinner. He's like, we will start in 10 hours. What? And, and Spider-Man's like, what? And he's like, oh, don't worry, I'm kidding. And then he exits, and that's the end of the scene. Like, he's like, okay, I'll train you. But, like, what is going on? He's Spider-Man. He doesn't need training. He's been doing this for a while. And he's all these villains are people he's locked away. So what are you talking about? He doesn't need training. He just needs reinforcements. Uh, So Cletus Cassidy and... We're back in uh, Dr. Octopus's lab. Cletus is still tied to his stretcher, and Doc Ock comes on, and he's like, hey, uh, they have a weird conversation, just an absolutely, this is the most cringy conversation ever, where it's like, Cletus Cassidy is acting like a crazy person, because he's supposed to be crazy, like the Joker, and then, um, Doc Ock is like, I am, I want you to kill Spider-Man, I have created this symbiote, I want you to use it, and... Cletus is like, I want it. Give it to me. And Dr. Octopus is like, okay. And then he gives him the symbiote and it starts bonding with him. And then that's the end of that scene. So we see, okay, Cletus Cassidy is going to become carnage, basically. Um, 
And then scene three of act two is Deadpool in his kitchen. A gigantic feast is sitting on his long table. Peter is sleeping. And he's Deadpool's like, okay, I'm done with dinner. And Peter says, it's literally been ten hours. He ate for ten hours. What? Um... Just so dumb. And then then he's like, okay, we can start training now. And it's like the most lazy way of doing it. It just says they do a ridiculous training montage of tasks Deadpool makes Peter do. Which is what the sentence reads, confusingly. And it says, a few weeks go by. A few weeks go by. Like, you just let that much time pass? <laughs> I mean, they were working quick. They, they, can you believe how much luck they got in getting Spider-Man's blood and Perry Osborne just happens to become the Green Goblin at the same time? Are you kidding? The stars are aligning for these people. Everything's going great. You gotta get on that, Peter. Uh, so, uh, they do that, and I guess Peter knows how to fight better now or something? It's not really clear what he's training at. And then Deadpool is like, your final task is to fight me. Peter's like, okay, fine. And th the laziest stage direction imaginable. They fight, Peter wins. Alright. Uh, and it says, Deadpool, a line informing this, or a, 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 a parenthetical informing this line that just says, he starts acting weird. <laughs> he, star he starts acting weird. I mean, what, what, what more can you want? What more does an actor need? He starts acting weird. Okay, act weird. Just start, start acting weird. And Deadpool says, good, you've learned a lot. You're ready to fight the League of Unspeakable Evil. Um, and uh, Deadpool and Spider-Man talk about it, that a little bit. And Peter's like, okay, we need to go find Doc Ock and Fisk. And suddenly Deadpool's like, I'm not going with you. Peter's like, what? I thought you said you were going to fight? We were going to fight together. And Deadpool just goes... I changed my mind. And, and keep in mind, this is not supposed to be funny at this point. He's not supposed to be doing a bit. He's supposed to be, like, sad now. Like, melancholy. Like, legitimately melancholy. Deadpool's like, I changed my mind. And Peter's like, what? Why? Deadpool's like, it's not my fight. Peter says, I, I can't fight them alone. Like, the whole point of me coming to you is because I needed reinforcements. Like, I can't fight them alone, dude. It's like, it's eight supervillains and I'm one guy. Like, I can't do this. Deadpool's like... You'll manage. You've learned a lot. You're ready. Peter's like, why are you being so serious? Deadpool's like, this is serious. Peter's like, what are you talking? We've been doing bits this whole time. What are you talking about? Peter's like, what are you scared of? You told me you're the most skilled assassin in the business. And Deadpool, suddenly we go into a really, really weird thing. And this scene contradicts everything about the character of Deadpool. Literally everything. And I'll explain why in a second. Uh, Deadpool says, I am the best. I'm the best assassin in the business, but all of us have to face reality eventually. Peter says, what reality is that? And Deadpool says, we are all going to die. It doesn't matter how many supervillains we kill. It doesn't matter if we have a healing factor. It's coming. And some of us aren't strong enough to face that. We just want to escape it by any means necessary. What? Like, why are you saying that? You're a mercenary, dude. You, you, you are an assassin. You are Deadpool. You have a healing factor that, first of all, doesn't let you die. You literally cannot die. And you explained that when, when we were introduced in this play. But also, you face these dangerous situations all the time. You're freaking Deadpool, man. What are you talking about? You're afraid of death. And, and Peter's like, what? I mean, yeah, we're gonna die, but we can't focus on that. And it's like, that's not... The whole point of Deadpool is that in the comics, 
he's kind of a tragic character because he literally can't die. All the stories are a lot of the stories that he he is like a lot of the stories that he's in in the comics are based around the idea that since he can't die, he outlives everyone and he's like depressed all the time because he literally just wants to die. His life has no purpose because he lives forever. Um like so so it's like you're literally flipping that and it makes no sense. Where a character that is literally basically immortal and who eventually at, at some point reaches a point where he wants nothing more than to die. You're making him a character that is afraid of death. It makes no sense. Especially when you consider the painful reality of the fact that it's, he can't die. So what are you talking about? And uh, Deadpool, I guess after this, is like... I'm I'm too afraid of death to do this. Bye. And then he leaves Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like, fine, I'll stop the League of Unspeakable Evil without you. I don't need you. And that's the end of the scene. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then we go back to Dr. Octopus's lair. Uh, Fisk enters as Doc Ock is working on a computer, and a screen is flashing red. And, and Fisk is like, what does that mean? Doc Ock looks at him, and he's like, Oh my gosh, there's been a security breach. And Fisk says, what, when? And Doc Ock says, a few weeks ago. What? Like, your computer is just alerting you now that, like, six weeks ago some dude broke in? <laughs> it's like, just now, your your security system is like, a security breach has been detected in, in like, the ventilation shaft and, you know, the, the room, two rooms down... <laughs> Six weeks ago, this happened. What? Uh, so they checked their surveillance footage and realized it. Oh, Spider Man was here. What? He knows what we're up to. Uh, and they're like, okay, we need to do our plan today. Like, we need to push the attack up to today. And it's like, why? What's the urgency of that? If this was weeks ago and Spider Man hasn't been back since, what's the urgency for? Like, you don't know what happened. If he, if he, if he came and he he learned this information by sneaking in here. And then left and didn't come back. Like, there's reason to believe that he's just not going to come back at all. <laughs> like, dude went outside and was like, oh, shoot, what am I going to do? And got hit by a bus and killed, for all you know. Like, wh wh what are you talking about? So, uh, uh, they, they find out, okay, he knows what we're, we're kind of up to. So, they're like, we're going we're gonna to go forward with our plan now. Because apparently they have a plan. And Doc Ock is like, okay, uh, Craven, can you go over the plan? And Craven, the hunter, steps forward and says... We begin our attack in Gramercy. We're beginning the attack in Gramercy. Why? Why there? Why isn't Gramercy like the, the financial district? Like, what, what? why there? And he says, we will destroy the police station. And from there, Electro, the Lizard, Mysterio, Dr. Octopus, and Mr. Fisk will go back to... Will come back here. Or, or they will go to Times Square. Well... Me, Venom, Sandman, and Green Goblin come back here to retrieve the weapon, who is, you know, obviously Cletus Cassidy Carnage. Then we will take Cassidy to Times Square, and then we will release him when Spider-Man arrives. Once Cassidy has finished him off, we will return he him here. And then Doc Ock says, by then the people will be intimidated by us and give us whatever we want. We'll be ruling the city in mere minutes. Like, okay, like, you know... I get it, like, New York, like, is that, like, what the, like, I get it, New York's a big city, you want to have control, but, like, you know, 
something tells me that once you take over New York City, which, you know, you're all supervillains, you can probably do that. What about the government? <laughs> like, what? Like, you're, you're taking over just one city. And, and you know, the, don't you think that, that like, there's going to be a response to that? Like, like the president's not, what was what, 2014? So, like, or, yeah, 2014 when I wrote this. So, like, Barack Obama's not just going to be, like, uh, okay, yeah, no, you guys, you can keep the, you can keep the city. You, I don't want to, I mean, that's Dr. Octopus, and they got a scary little mutant man, Carnage. I'm afraid, I don't want to go near that. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, so then they explain that, and they're like, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> we leave in 15 minutes. Fisk literally says that. He says, it will work. Now get ready. We leave in 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. Why not just leave now? We leave in 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. So uh, then we go back to Mary Jane's room. Mary Jane was in this play. <laughs> kind of forgot about that. Uh, and Peter says, and keep in mind, we're only on page 23. And like, a lot has happened, but it's just happened so quickly. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it justice because like, there are a lot of plot points, but they happen so quickly. Like, like these scenes are like two pages long or, or if that, like some of these scenes happen in less than a page and then we're, you know, but, uh, so Peter goes to MJ and is like, basically just again, relays everything that we already know about how, uh, you know, this plan and all of that. And they have their moment of, you know, and I get what I was trying to do here. They have this moment of, uh, okay, I, I like, I might die. I love you. Kiss, kiss, kiss. But like, why can't, why can't he just like run into her on his way there or something more organic? Why does he need to go to her house, relay a bunch of information we already know and then leave? <laughs> so then, uh, after this scene, we're at the police station in Gramercy. And if there even is a police station, like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know. Like, Gramercy? Like, wh like what are you talking about? You clearly just Googled, like, <laughs> places in New York City and Gramercy was the first one to come up. And I was like, there we go. Put that in. Uh, so they're, they're destroying the police station. And, and like, we don't see that happen. We just transition to the scene and Dr. Octopus is like, okay, the station is destroyed. We did that. Not sure what that has to do with anything. If there's a, sp I mean, there are multiple police stations in New York, right? So it's like, why, why just be like, to hell with the Gramercy station in particular. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. It makes no sense. <laughs> Screw the Gramercy police in particular. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, and then they're like, oh, Spider-Man shows up and they're like, hey, you're, you're, you're sooner than expected. And so Spider-Man, being one man fighting like seven people, uh, gets overwhelmed instantly. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die. And then as he's about to get killed, suddenly it says a force pushes back all the villains out of nowhere. And who enters? But the Shocker! Out of nowhere, Shocker just comes back. And he's like, he's like, I'm not going to let you... He's mad at Dr. Octopus for not letting him in the villain club, the League of Unspeakable Evil. He's like, hey, I'm not going to let you put me around, push me around. Let's get him, Spider-Man. And suddenly, even though he's a convicted felon and a huge problem and caused serious destruction in the city, injured 24 people within an inch of their life just, you know, 10 pages ago, 
uh, suddenly, Spider-Man's like, cool, Shocker and I are teaming up. And they fight together for a moment. And then Kingpin goes, Craven, go retrieve the weapon. Craven, Green Goblin, Sandman, and Venom run off stage. Uh, and then after that, suddenly Doc Ock, Kingpin, Mysterio, the Lizard, and Electro run off stage too. It's like, why? You you are so you guys completely overpower Spider-Man and Shocker. You could just end him right there. Why split up? Why go get this weapon designed to kill Spider-Man when you guys your full the full force of all of you would easily kill him. Easily. But they're like, "Ugh." And Shocker goes, "Damn, they got away." Ooh, I must have thought I was edgy for having him say, "Damn. Damn, they got away." Uh Spider-Man goes, "Why are you helping me?" And Shocker says, because Dr. Octopus used me. The day he forced me to fight you in the on the Upper East Side, all he wanted was some of your blood. Spider-Man realizes, oh, wait a minute. They have my DNA? If we lose Aunt May and Mary Jane, we'll be in serious danger. And it's like, well, yeah, of course if you lose Aunt May and Mary Jane, we'll be in serious danger. Like, like you, if they were going to use your blood to, like, find out who you are, they would have done it already. And that makes way more sense, truthfully. Like... <laughs> Why are they using the blood to make a weapon? Why not just find out who he is? Get his DNA. I mean, we're, it's a comic book thing. They can probably just do that. Dr. Octopus is a doctor. Just do it. And and find 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 out who he is and do something like that. Uh. So, you know, I don't know what's going on here. And it's like, you know, Aunt May and Mary Jane will be in danger. And it's like, yeah, if, if supervillains take over the city, they probably will be. <laughs> Along with pretty much all the other citizens of New York City. So what is your point? Like yes, they will be in danger. <laughs> it's, I mean, you can't I get it. You're, you you got to focus you got to focus on on you got to think about the people that you love and the people that you are, are your family and the people you care about. But man, dude, don't be that myopic about it. Like <laughs> I I don't give a damn if all the people in New York die. Aunt May and Mary Jane are in danger. It's a dumb point. It's not really fair, but like whatever. You get what I'm saying. Uh, so then they go to Times Square, and 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 uh, or, or yeah, they're they're kind of talking. Uh, Deadpool or Spider-Man brings up Deadpool. He's like, I wish Deadpool would help me. Uh, and they're like, okay, they're going to Times Square. Let's go. And then we transition to Times Square, <clears throat> where Doc Ock, Electro, Mysterio, the Lizard, and Kingpin are standing in front of the Jumbotron in Times Square, and people are watching from below. Says the kingpin is speaking into a microphone. This scene is ridiculous. He gives the most ridiculous monologue here to the people of New York. Um, he he says, "Citizens of New York City, you may be wondering who I am. Probably not. You're basically like, you're basically like a guy like Donald Trump or Elon Musk, who's like a titan of industry." Uh, he says, "You may be wondering who I am. Well, I'm the kingpin, and I'm your new mayor." Okay. So, like, you, you can just do that. Like, you can just be like, I'm a supervillain and I'm your mayor. I, I destroyed one police station in Gramercy. I am now the mayor. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, uh, I'm the mayor. No matter what the government says, I guess. Uh, uh, to hell with... <laughs> I don't know who is the mayor at this point. Giuliani. <laughs> Giuliani, get out of my seat. I'm the mayor now. Uh, I don't remember if Giuliani was the mayor at this point, but... Uh, he says, now I know I have not been formally elected, but you will obey my wishes or you will pay with your life. <laughs> that line is so funny. I was broken up. And keep in mind, like, I this was, I started when I, I started on this script when I was 12 and then I finished it when I was 14. So like, 
there's no grammar here. Like, like the, the laws of grammar were merely suggestions to me at this point in my life. So these sentences are terribly, terribly crafted. But uh, the way this is broken up is so funny. Like, like it's it, it almost reads as being comedic, because he says like, y "You will obey my wishes, or you will pay with your life." <laughs> like he ha he just has to clarify that. Like, dude, you've already told us that you are going to seize control of power like seize control of power in the city and and that you're do like you're doing this you're gonna rule with intimidation you don't need to be that like <laughs> crystalline clear <laughs> about it uh so uh, he says so does anyone object no okay then well i will begin my indefinite term by showing you the power we possess that you do not in a few in a few short minutes we are going to publicly execute spider-man and that's like the end of the monologue. Uh, Spider-Man and Shocker enter. And, uh, you know, um, they're like, the executioner is here. This is him. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Carnage. And uh, they release Carnage. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man and Shocker are losing terribly in this fight against him. Nothing seems to hurt Carnage. Spider-Man is pinned down by Carnage, and then Shocker blasts him with one of his air blasters, and Carnage is blown off of him and shrieks in pain, because, you know, the symbiotes, it's a comic book thing, that symbiotes can't handle fire or, like, sound frequencies of certain, like, and, and like, air, it's, it says they're airways, but it's more like it's like a seismic thing. Uh, so, you know, there's that. Um... Suddenly, and then it says, suddenly Carnage attacks the League of Unspeakable Evil because he's crazy. He's out of... Carnage, Cletus Cassidy is kind of like, you know, Carnage is supposed to be, was intended. The character was based off of the Joker. So he's like, the Joker, I'm crazy. Um, and he turns on the bad guys and he starts fighting them. And Doc Ock is like, what are you doing? I'm your master. And Carnage is like, no one is my master. And Carnage escapes and runs away and starts, I don't know, killing people <laughs> probably. Uh... Kingpin is like, what was that, Octavius? Doc Ock says, I, I don't know. I thought I would be able to control it. I guess Cassidy's blood, <laughs> bloodlust and, psych and psychotic nature influenced the symbiote too much. And it's like, well, yeah. Uh, and then, just ridiculous. This is, you, you, oh, this is so crazy. So, Carnage is loose. He, now he's he, like, wants to kill the League of Unspeakable Evil. Even though the League... I keep saying the League like it's not just the Sinister Six, but, like, even though they've already seized power, like, they kind of got what they want. Who cares if Carnage is on the loose? Like, suddenly, out of nowhere, they're just like, well, damn, we screwed up. And then they just join Spider-Man and Shocker. They're like, well, I guess we gotta kill Carnage. I guess we need, we must take responsibility for that. We're villains, but we're not monsters. We take responsibility for our actions. And, and now we're teaming up. And they team up. Uh, so they join the Shocker, and they're like, okay, we need to think of a plan. And as they're talking about that, Peter and Harry, or Spider-Man and Harry, talk for a second. And, and Harry is like, you killed my father. Bah! Which was like, it's weird that that's like, like, that's kind of like a subplot that just doesn't really go anywhere in this play. And Spider-Man's like, no, I didn't kill your father. He, he was killed by his own glider. And, you know, uh... <laughs> Green Goblin slash Harry Osborn just takes this, like, you know, because he, he, it's funny, he, he, in the scene where 
you know, he suddenly has the vision of Norman Osborn before he's taken the goblin serum, like, and just has, like, this strange delusion. Um, it's clearly, like, in his head, and he kind of alludes to the fact that he's like, you're just in my head, this isn't real, I'm having a breakdown. But, like, Norman says, uh, Sp Spider-Man killed me. And, like, even though he's, like, a delusion of his mind, a mental manifestation, <laughs> Harry Osborn just accepts it as objective fact. And then here, Spider-Man's like, that's not how it happened. And Harry's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Maybe he's right. And so he starts having a breakdown and he's like, all right, I guess maybe I overreacted a bit. Um, and uh, then so there, that conversation happens and <laughs> Green Goblin's like, I need to be alone for a moment. <laughs> I, I think I may have, I think I may have really screwed up. Everyone's just screwing up royally throughout this play. I can't believe this is a play, too. I just can't believe it's a Spider-Man play. Uh, so, Doc Ock is like, Spider-Man, we need your help. Did you and Her Herman notice any... Did, did you and Herman notice any weaknesses that Carnage may have? Uh, and Spider-Man's like, yeah, Shocker shot him with one of his blasters, and that seemed to hurt. Um, it's funny that they're having this conversation, but Venom, who is a symbiote, is standing right there. And he's like, doesn't... And this conversation is just, like, a real meeting of the minds we have here. Like, like it's it's all these people, like, Spider-Man is and, and Dr. Otto Octavius are supposed to be genius, like, like they have genius-level intellects. As do many of these other people in this room with them, or in this group. And just, like, you read this conversation, and it's like, there's, like, two brain cells among the, the, the seven of these people. Um, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And, uh... So, so we're like, okay, we're, we're going to shoot sound waves at him to weaken him. If we take him, if we can lure Carnage to the cathedral, some cathedral, uh, we can use the church bells to weaken the symbiote and get it off of Cletus Cassidy. And Venom is like, wait, what about me? Won't the sound waves affect me too? Dr. Octopus is like, you have to be ready to make that, that sacrifice if you want to save New York. Save New York? Like, suddenly that's on the table for you guys? You guys care about that? Venom's just like, all right. So they make this dumb plan. Yet another stupid-ass plan. Where Doc Ock is like, okay, we'll locate Carnage. Shocker will shoot him with the blasters and stun him. Uh, we'll take Carnage as fast as we can up to the cathedral. Like, we'll just, I, I don't know, like, fireman <laughs> carry him up the, to, the, to the bell tower. Hit him with the bell and, and, and you know, he'll the symbiote will fall off of him or something. Everyone's like, sounds good to me. It's like, really? Uh... All right. And then it says, I hate this. The state direction as they, they all exit. They all run off stage. Electro flies and Green Goblin flies off on his glider. Like, you, you can't just say they exit. And also, it's like, how are you going to do that? How are you going to not only have Electro fly off stage, but how the hell is... You're going to make a glider for the actor playing Green Goblin to fly around on? What? <laughs> it's ridiculous. So they track down Carnage somehow. And, um... Shocker blasts him with a thing, uh, with his one of his guns or whatever, and uh, Carnage is stunned, and Doc Ock is like, "Get him!" and like Venom <laughs> runs up to Carnage and grabs him and like throws him over his shoulder and is like starts sprinting up to the bell tower. But uh, as he's running, as they're running away with him, and it's like they're a bunch of they're they're all carrying him kind of, um, even though that's ridiculous because like. Carnage and I think Green Goblin too and also the Lizard have super strength so why do they need to all like carry him uh 
it's ridiculous. I was, I guess I was just trying to find like something for all these characters in this play to do. <laughs> like imagine being cast as Electro and your entire job, the entire play is basically to just come on and carry things with other people just so that you're doing something. Um, so, uh, as they're carrying him, uh, carnage breaks out of their grasp. Um, uh, and he pins down Spider-Man and is going to kill him. And Shocker tries to shoot him, but he misses. Uh, as Spider-Man is about to die, suddenly, Carnage gets shot a couple times. Like, shot with guns a couple times. Suddenly, there's gunshots in this play. It's like, oh, crap! Who, who was that? What's going on now? <laughs> who's, who's popping off a couple in our general direction? Who is it but Deadpool? Deadpool shows up! And Spider-Man says, Deadpool? You said you weren't going to help me. Deadpool says, I really thought about what you said and about focusing on the present instead of the future and I realized that it was my duty to fight, no matter what the cost. Suddenly he just changes his mind and is on their side. Like, what? And he's fighting with them again and he's, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not afraid of death anymore because I thought about that one thing you said to me. I love you, Spider-Man. Thank you so much. Now I'm not afraid of death anymore. <laughs> Which, you know, I guess, cool. I, I, it was never a threat to me anyway, but now I'm not afraid of it. So, you know... <laughs> I guess fire uh uh seismic blasts and I guess just good old fashioned just pumping someone full of lead affects a a, a symbiote just busting a couple caps in a symbiote and that'll take care of him stun him at least so they they take uh they take uh Cletus slash Carnage up to the bell tower and they start to ring the bell Spider Man webs the bell and starts you know sounding the bell and uh the sound waves immediately affect carnage and he writhes in pain and the symbiote jumps off of cletus cassidy and also jumps off of eddie brock i guess because he's there um so they they get you know carnage off of him and they contain him and i guess that happens and then suddenly as soon as that's that's done uh you know, Spider-Man webs Cletus to something and is like, wait for the police. Uh, and suddenly everyone's happy. It's like, oh, cool, we did it. Cool. And Eddie's like, thank you for freeing me from that terrifying symbiote alien, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man's like, yeah, sure, anytime. And, and you know, there's like, we have these dumb conversations uh, where, where like, Spider-Man and Deadpool are like, you're, you're a real hero, Deadpool. And Deadpool's like, thanks, man, you really taught me a lot. Uh, and then Spider or Shocker's like, you're going to throw me into the police now. And Spider-Man's like, you know what? Even though you are a convicted felon, uh, you almost killed 24 people today. T today, literally, or not today. I guess it was like, uh, I guess uh, given the training montage at least a couple weeks ago. But like, you know, even though you are a convicted like killer, you are a killer. You have killed people. You know, you helped me out. I'll let it slide this time. You can just go, go cause mayhem somewhere on me this time. Uh, you know, maybe Jameson had a point. Maybe you are kind of a menace if you're gonna let that happen. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and then this scene ends with the villains trying to sneak away, and Spider-Man says, "Don't, don't you even try to leave, guys." And then this final stage direction says, "The villains look to each other, and without saying anything, agree that it would be better if they just stayed." Like, why? You still outnumber the good guys in this situation. Like, you can still win. Like, you don't need... Why did you concede so quickly? What? Then we end this play, scene 9, act 2, scene 9. 
Mary Jane's house. Peter and MJ enter. Jameson's on TV talking about what happened. Uh, he compliments Spider-Man. He says, Spider-Man did defeat the strange creature who terrified, or terrorized our good city and turned in all the members of the League of Unspeakable Evil. And they're like, oh, wow, he's being nice. Uh, and he's like, this proves nothing uh, about Spider-Man's motives. He's still a menace. Uh, and everyone's like, Peter and MJ, haha, I told you he was going to say that, blah, blah. And, uh, so then, uh, this, this play ends with a ridiculous, uh, we, we also say, oh, MJ got the part in that audition she did a couple weeks ago, and now she has to go to rehearsal. And we end this play with a where are they now segment, <laughs> weirdly. Uh, and this model, this, again, Peter, Peter hasn't monologued in a while. Wow, we went maybe three pages without that. Um, and Peter says to the audience, in the end, everything worked out pretty well. And it says, Eddie, Eddie Brock enters with his girlfriend. He says, Eddie Brock is enjoying a life free of symbiotes. And it's like, wait a minute, but he still did something. Like, he still was a criminal, kind of. Like, like he, he and Venom were like, you know, it's like, you're still a criminal. He's still dangerous. But, you know, whatever. Um, Harry Osborn enters with the doctor who hands him some pills. And he says, Harry Osborn has gotten the real help he needs. And it's like, what? You can just take pills and that cures Green Goblin serum? Like, you just can... You can become not the Green Goblin by taking some pills? Why didn't anyone do that for his dad then? Maybe he didn't need to die if he could just take a, you know, <laughs> ibuprofen and then <laughs> just was cured. Uh... And then, uh, after that, all the members of the League of Unspeakable Evil enter, except Cletus, wearing Ravencroft prisoner outfits. Like, you didn't want to do, you know, oh, shoot, I forgot, if we're doing a Where Are They Now segment, you know, half of those characters didn't do anything for this plot, so we just have to lump them all together. He says, the, the villains from the League of Unspeakable Evil were all taken into custody at Ravencroft, Ravencroft prison. Then Cletus enters, and he says, including Cletus Cassidy. They exit. Shocker enters, beating up two criminals. Shocker has gone from supervillain to superhero. Weird, <laughs> weird that that I just departed from the source material on that, and now Shocker's a good guy in my play. Um, and then Shocker exits, and Deadpool enters. <laughs> and and then it's he says, uh, well, let's just say this hero needed a sidekick. Deadpool's like Spider-Man's sidekick? now or something like they're batman and robin sidekicks he says deadpool finally learned what my uncle taught me it's not the power that matters it's the responsibility it gives you it doesn't matter how we die what matters is how we live weird those two points are kind of like they don't really have much to do with each other it's like wait wait responsibility like what deadpool didn't need to learn any, either of those things what are you talking about and then like a siren goes off in the distance peter rips off his shirt and reveals the spider-man suit and that's the end of the play just, oh, what a, it's painful to, to read this play. Um, terrible, ter there's nothing redemptive about this show. It's so awful. Uh, I could go into, all, there are a couple scenes that I could go into here. Let's, let's just do like two here. Uh, the, the shocker scene when he, when he, uh, gets shocker. So after he fights shocker, uh, there's this interrogation scene. Shocker says, hey, let me go. I demand you let me go. Peter Parker slash Spider-Man slaps Shocker, open hand slap across the face, and says, shut up. Shocker says, ouch, 
Okay, really? A slap? What are we, two teenage girls who just bumped into each other and spilled our Starbucks? I hate you, 12-year-old Elliot. I hate you and I... If I... this Reading this play makes me want makes me want to go back in time if i had a time machine and i could i could use it one time and that was it it was the only thing i could do was use it one time was the the only time i could use it the one thing i'd do is i would go back to 2012 when i was writing when i started writing this play and i would beat the crap out of myself (laughs) i would just beat myself within an inch of my life uh spider-man says enough joking around why are you here Shocker says, well, for fun, of course. Nothing gets your blood pumping like some good, clean math destruction. Spider-Man punches Shocker, and Shocker yells in pain. Ah! <laughs> like, ow! Peter says, people don't destroy neighborhoods for fun. And Shocker says, I ain't telling you nothing. And that's when he breaks out and slashes his arm. And Spider-Man screams and punches Shocker. He says, okay, I'll tell you. Oh, you punched me one time. Ooh, my face, my beautiful face. Okay, I'll tell you. The guy the guy with the four arms did it. Spider-Man's like, Dr. Octopus? Shocker's like, yeah, yeah, him. He told me to lure you out here. Spider-Man says, why? Shocker says, I don't know. He's like, I really don't know, I swear, because Spider-Man's going to, like, threatens to hit him again. Peter says, fine, if you won't tell me, I'll just ask fatty long legs myself. <laughs> then he exits. Weird. I mean, yeah, I, I, why do you have to say? Why do you have to say that? Like, yeah, I get you're quippy, but like, damn, you're just gonna call the guy fat? Like, what? What? Why? Um. So yeah, there's there's that. Why don't we? There, another one that I can think of is uh uh, when Cletus Cassidy is is coerced into becoming Carnage. Um. So, we have this scene. Cletus is still tied to his stretcher, and Doc Ock enters, and he says, "Hello, Mister Cassidy." I don't believe we've been properly introduced. I'm Dr. Otto Octavius. Cletus Cassidy says, Well, hello there. It's nice to meet you. I would shake your hand, but I'm tied to this stretcher like a crazy person. Like he's like the Joker. Yeah, I'm crazy. And Doc Ock says sarcastically, Yes, how unfair. And Cletus says, So what do you want, huh? Want to know about the people I killed? Well, there was this one guy who, and Dr. Octavius is like, I don't care about that. Dude, shut up. He says, I don't want to know about that. I don't want to know about the people who've killed, but I would like to offer you the ultimate kill. And then Cletus Cassidy says something very strange. He says, oh, really? Who is it? The mayor? The president? Justin Bieber? <laughs> what? Why? Justin Bieber? I mean, like, why? Like, I get it. Like, just, like, at the time, I guess, like, this was what? I, this was probably more closer to like 2014 yeah because the whole task force thing i probably only got a couple pages in when i was like 12 and when i say between the ages of 12 and 14 i mean i started writing it when i was 12 i lost interest put it away and then didn't touch it again until i was 14 so i say between the ages but i was 12 for the first couple pages and then 14 for the rest so i was i was probably 14 but like i feel like justin bieber was not like he didn't really have that that reputation of being like annoying and pe- i don't know i don't remember but like the, the, the mayor the president justin bieber <laughs> and doc ock says no better than any of those like implying almost that like no justin bieber was a thought <laughs> he was on the table but honestly i when i i think about it 
Spider-Man's given me a lot more grief than Justin Bieber has. Then again, I don't hear Justin. I I, I don't hear Spider-Man on the radio every time I'm going in my car. But you know, uh, Spider-Man has put me in jail a couple times. But uh, Justin Bieber, I didn't. I I really didn't like Baby. I didn't like One Less Lonely Girl. It was really annoying. It was stuck in my head for months after it came out. So uh, like weirdly implying like better than that. Better than any of those. It, it is better than Justin Bieber. Can you believe that? Can you believe there's a kill better than Justin Bieber? Cletus Cassidy? Uh, <laughs> he says that. He says, no, better than any of those. Dot, dot, dot. Well, maybe better than the first two. So, so literally that implies that Doc Ock somehow has in his mind, he has such a seething rage <laughs> towards Justin Bieber that it's like Spider-Man today, Bieber tomorrow. <laughs> like that's the Doc Ock is saying that Doctor Octopus is saying that <laughs> about pop star Justin Bieber. He's on his kill list, right below Spider-Man. Apparently, Cletus says, uh, "Hmm, okay, I give up." Who is it? And Doc Ock says, "Spider-Man." Cletus says, "Oh, you're right. That is the ultimate kill. So how are we gonna kill him? Are we gonna like snipe him?" Or track him down and torture him until... And Doc Ock says, I was thinking of going with something more superhuman. And he shows him this, the Carnage symbiote. Cletus says, what is that? Doc Ock says, this is your means of killing Spider-Man. Cletus says, give it to me! Give it to me now! And Doc Ock does, and that's the end of the scene. Um... Yeah, so that's really, I mean, so much of this is just so dumb, and, like, the, the, the monologues are just ridiculous. I'm not, I don't have time to go into all of them, but they're just, just, just a, a soliloquy every time someone enters the stage, or, like, that that's just goes into such painstaking detail. I can't get over when he, he's talking to Shocker, and, like, like, he starts going into, like, yeah, the first time I fought him, like... I kind of hurt my, my, my arm was sprained because I fought the lizard a week earlier. And it's like, what are you talking about? There's no bearing on this. Like, it's just like, you don't need to go into the nitty gritty granular details of the comics, you know? Cause like, obviously all of that is, you know, comics stuff. You know, I'm sure that that's a reference to something where the first time he fought the shocker in the comics, he probably was hurt from a fight with the lizard or something. And I was referencing that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of that. That's kind of the play. Uh, so what would I do differently? Uh, number one, don't do this. Don't write a Spider-Man play. What are you doing? What the hell are you talking about? Spider-Man on stage, and it's like a play? What are you doing? Don't do that. And, and, and just, ugh. I, I don't even want to go in, because the thing is, the whole thing with the task force, it just wasn't mine. Like, like a lot of this stuff is just literally taken, ripped from the, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie and video game. So what would I do differently? I'd make it more character-driven, I guess. Um, absolutely no direct address. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? And I, I think where that was coming from was uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man. Was it Ultimate Spider-Man? The one with Drake Bell, the cartoon. Uh, <laughs> uh, where there was a Spider-Man cartoon where... Spider-Man directly addressed the audience, but for that it worked because it was a cartoon, you know? Don't do it on stage. It's just boring. I, I don't I don't need to hear these ridiculous monologues. Get rid of the even if you're gonna do direct address, don't don't have Spider-Man deliver some ridiculous monologue every time a new piece of information is learned. It's so ridiculous. Um 
I guess if I were going to write a Spider-Man play, I, I can't really say what I would do with this idea because so much of this idea isn't mine. So, so if I were going to write a Spider-Man play, I guess I'd focus on the relationship between Peter and MJ and how it affect how it's affected by him being Spider-Man. And Harry would also be there. I would make Harry more central. Um, play more in, and lean into the discovery of his father's death or how his father died, or or the resentment of how his father died. Uh, if he doesn't know that Peter's Spider-Man, that could make something interesting. Uh, uh, and him discovering that that his father... You know, but it's like, that's just Spider-Man, like the Spider-Man Raimi trilogy, which is, you know, already masterful in that sense. So it's like, okay, what... Uh, like, I guess if I... <laughs> It's, it's weird. It's, you can't write a Spider-Man play. Like, I can't really say what I would do differently. You could probably in some way. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do anything like this. Um, but, uh, I guess, yeah, I, 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 if I were to do something and I was going to make it serious, I would have a play that I guess focused more on the characters of Spider-Man or Peter Parker and how his relationship with someone like MJ and Harry is affected by him being Spider-Man. Um, and I would also, I wrote here, like, never have Spider-Man be on stage. Have it be all about those characters. Because what makes Spider-Man really interesting is the fact that Peter Parker is under the mask. That it is Peter Parker specifically. And it's him juggling superhero life with ordinary life. So I guess leading into that would be, make something, I guess, somewhat compelling. Um, don't make it an action play. Uh, uh, yeah, just do something character-driven. Make it something more about about his relationships with the people around him. Uh, don't plagiarize. That's weird that I did that. I mean, it's not weird. I was 12. I didn't know what I was doing. 12, 12 and 14 at that point. I guess uh, I, I, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, that was ripped from Amazing Spider-Man 2, so that was I was 14 at the time, which doesn't make it any better. You can't... I mean, I didn't understand those rules at the time, so that's why I was like, oh, I can just do that. I didn't realize that. Um, you know, like... Spider-Man play obviously wasn't going to get done anywhere and it was you know it's the first play I ever wrote um and then I just have here in my notes don't do this don't do it what would I do differently I would I would erase this from ever having existed <laughs> don't do this um I guess if I were going to do a Spider-Man play I would I would do it as a comedy I would make it completely ridiculous uh I could see doing a story like this, but just really, like, just make it so, so dumb. Like, so ridiculous. Lean into these ridiculous bits of, like, there. there's, like, this... It's just a parade of supervillains. Shocker is in this play. The Lizard is in this play. Venom is in this play. They don't do anything. They barely speak. Eddie Brock at least has a couple lines, but, like, Shock... Or, or, or like, Craven the Hunter doesn't really say anything. The lizard literally does not speak in this entire play. I don't think he has any lines. And, you know, he's a lizard, <laughs> but, like, he's a talking lizard. That's a thing. Like, lean into the, how ridiculous that is, that there's this, like, parade of supervillains. Have it be, like, every time the League is on stage, like, two more people are with them. Like, just two two other villains are in the the the, the, the like entourage and like just make them more and more ridiculous like start riffing and just making up stupid villains that introduce themselves like oh i'm i'm the macaroni my villain thing is that i'm a, I, i'm a <laughs> i'm english or something <laughs> like which I'm, I'm stealing that from uh, the harley quinn uh series where alfred is uh, 
superhero called the macaroni in, in Bruce Wayne's absence. So, you know, I guess I'm plagiarizing again. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> just make it, I, I could see doing a Spider-Man play where it's just so dumb and stupid and it's a ridiculous comedy, a la The Vengeance of Batman, but we'll get to the, those other scripts in more detail some other time. So, yeah, what would I do differently? Not, not do this. I, what would I do differently? Maybe sh literally shred this script, literally delete this script. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 w I would not ever, ever write a Spider-Man play unless it was completely and totally stupid and ridiculous. Um, yeah. Spider-Man and the League of Unspeakable Evil. Goodness. So yeah, that is uh, Spider-Man and the League of Unspeakable Evil. Uh, may it, may it, rather elusively remain in the back of my computer, uh, avoiding, uh, you know, you know, deletion. As uh, I guess uh, the shocker has somehow eluded <laughs> incarceration for his his terrible, terrible crimes against humanity. Um. So uh, yeah, vote on the poll for next week's episode. This week, the choices are. <laughs> the choices are a, ser a series of very, very short plays, um, and that's all I'll say about them, uh, that go by uh, The Trilogy of Woe slash The Call and <laughs> Toastmasters speeches. Now, now a little bit of explanation on this. As I said, uh, this, this podcast is uh, plays, screenplays, and writings that I've written over the, year, uh, over the years. Uh, this is why I say writings. Uh, so I was in this speech writing class, this speech delivering class i guess uh throughout middle school called toastmasters and um i wrote a bunch of crazy uh pretty short uh speeches for that that i i could uh do on this podcast that i will deliver in some way shape or form through this podcast um so yeah that that's kind of what that is i i know i don't really explain what each of these uh scripts is and i won't go into any of the stories of those speeches believe me they're ridiculous um but I felt the need to to make it clear what that was. Um, so yeah, that, that those are your two choices. Uh, uh, Trilogy of Woe slash The Call and uh, Toastmasters speeches. So yeah, go ahead and vote on that. And uh, thank you for joining me for this episode. Maybe, uh, hopefully, next week we will be talking about scripts that are, or writings, I suppose, that are, are maybe not, not as, just not this, <laughs> not Spider-Man. Goodness gracious, please get this away from me. Uh, so yeah, thank you for listening and for joining me this week. And I will, uh, I will, you will hear from me next week. Uh, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>